Welcome to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to giving automotive professionals the tools and education needed to succeed. The topics we cover are all geared towards running a better business, leading a better life, and ultimately changing the industry for, well, the better. Here's what's coming up. Yeah, and that's actually you're losing money. Yeah, that's a really good point. And and usually, and so I want to talk about like I think the deeper reason of why we have the inflation here, and a couple points that I think of why we're seeing such a crazy one right now. But just like Han said, you know, I tell my clients every single year, if you don't raise your labor rate three percent, you're making relatively less money because you have to. It, it used to be a standard, right? Inflation hovered around two and a half, three, maybe a little bit above it. But if you're at a hundred, you need to be at a hundred and three next year just to make relatively the same amount of money. We need your help. By submitting questions or topics to info at weartheinstitute.com, we can continue to provide relevant content to you, the listener. But for now, what are we waiting for? Let's get into it. All righty. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Institute's Leading Edge. My name is Kent, your host for today. Uh, we've got a, a pretty interesting topic to discuss today, something that we heard a lot at uh, Apex and SEMA when we were there. And it's been a prevalent issue that's hurting our industry, potentially, question mark. Those of you who are watching, if you enjoy what you're listening to, please give us a like and a share so that we can get our content out there and other people can benefit from this content as well. Um, and yeah, so today we have Hunt Demers from Parmelis. Uh, we were supposed to have Keith Brown uh, from Tire World Utah and he'll jump in hopefully at some point, but if not, we'll still have a pretty good discussion on today's topic, which is inflation. And uh, there's a lot that goes into this. And uh, I don't know if you you guys, we had some brief discussion beforehand. I don't know if you want to continue that. Continue. Is there any, anywhere you want to start? <coughs> Let me make a statement first. And and I think at, at this point, inflation has not been damaging to our industry at this point. I think, in fact, the inflation coupled with some other things that are going on in the in the market, in the world, in our world, have actually been beneficial to the automotive um, service and repair industry. Uh, however, there'll come a point where the inflation is going to uh, seriously affect all of us. And I think we're kind of seeing that. So, um, Hunt, you were talking about uh, a statistic that you just read uh, mm -hmm. earlier. Why don't we pop that one out? We'll talk about is there inflation or isn't there? Yeah. And so one of the things I let off I was talking to Cecil is, you know, I was sitting there this morning and it popped up on my phone that inflation for September, because they measure this every single month, inflation for September was 6.1%, which is the highest it's been in, I think, 35 years. And so I was laughing. I was like, you know, what a, what a good topic to be discussing today, because it's really a hot thing. And like what Cecil was saying, you know, this is not, we probably have not seen the peak of this yet. You know, it's yeah, not I like we're at 6.1 and it goes down. I don't see anything in the near term that would indicate anything of that sort. I think we'll, I think we'll see double digit. And then I wanted to ask you a question. You might, you might know the answer to this. Mm -hmm. um, we had what is five and a half percent or so in um, uh, uh, August. We had another 5% or so in the month prior to that. Um, are we now talking like 20% inflation because it all adds up? Uh, no, so it's just measured on a monthly basis. So that'd be annual inflation okay. that's measured on a monthly basis. Okay. So annually we're we're at six point five percent or so. What I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um how so I I, I don't believe it's gonna go down. Uh and the reason I don't believe it's gonna go down is is because of the spending that we're doing government and we're we're just printing more and more money, which leads to inflation. Um, 
And then I think there's also this weird thing, like everywhere you go now, um, I ordered uh, I ordered pizzas for the family the other night, and it was a couple hundred bucks. And you know, you're gonna tip you're gonna tip the driver. They're gonna charge you to bring it to your house, but then you're gonna tip the driver. And it was like fifteen percent, twenty percent, twenty five percent. Uber, you're gonna tip the driver. It's twenty. It's it's almost like I I went to I can't remember where I was, but I went to somewhere where I had to go to the counter, order my food, get my food. And when I went to put my credit card in to to ring it up, it had fifteen percent tip, you know, twenty percent tip. In fact, it's it was uh, Papa Murphy's Pizza where I cook my own pizza, right? <laughs> they didn't so, even cook it. So now I'm now I'm paying the person to to make my pizza that I'm going to take home and cook. And and when I didn't choose one of those because I was kind of like, I mean, I'm not a cheap guy. I tip really well, I, and and. and what I'd like to tip for is good service, but, but we don't even have that. It's just, it's, it's almost like, give me another 20% on top of what you're already overpaying for. Um, so I didn't, I didn't push anything and I, I went to go forward and it declined the transaction because I didn't leave a tip on the transaction. I had to redo the transaction and insist on them running it through without a tip. And, you know, I get it. You know, here's a here's a driver coming to my house. He he doesn't get paid much by Uber or whoever, you know, by Grubhub. But why don't they pay him? Why am I the one, you know, forking out an extra $30, $40 on top of what I'm already, you know, this huge bill for pizza? Um, and it, it it seems like so we have inflation. We know that prices are going up because we printed all this money and we've raised you know, um, uh, minimum income. Uh, we've done a bunch of things in our country that creates inflation. It, it is what it is. But on top of that, there's now, now there's an expectation that if anybody's in any kind of a service industry, that we're going to tip them 20% no matter what. Right. To me that it's, it's getting out of hand in a way. And I'm, I'm, I, now I'm thinking, oh, I'm just this old guy that's like, oh my god, <laughs> you know, oh my god, you know, this whole world's gone crazy, but I'm not. What if we told you that you could get quality training and education conveniently and without emptying your pockets? Our Gear platform presents great education and resources for automotive shops, courses led by experts inside and outside our industry, a community of like-minded people to engage with, and a resource library at your fingertips. With a monthly membership, you can gain access to every course we have in the library as well as the multiple courses we add each and every month. With the ability to watch wherever and whenever you'd like, the right training is more easily accessed than ever before. For help with improving your business, go to weartheinstitute.com and take your first course today. You know, what the what the big companies have done is they've put the responsibility of paying their employees to their customers mm-hmm. and and made it a moral, a moral quandary. Right. Because the servers there, they're like, man, if I, if you guys don't tip me, I, I don't make any money mm-hmm. to me. I'm like, then why the hell are you working there? Um, but it's a legitimate issue. And what's happening is they're all raising their prices. And a lot of us are going, well, that's ridiculous. That's expensive. Instead of going, Hmm, if they're raising their prices, I should probably raise my prices as well because I, I it's all, a- re- it's, it's all relative. 
I have another idea. Why don't we lower what we pay our employees and then just add a 20% tip to when they come pick up their car, right? And and so it's expected. Oh, my. We have a couple of shops that do tips. If you don't tip, you're a bad guy. You're a cheap old SOB, right? You know? No, I, I think that's nuts. I think we need to raise our rates right now, and especially right now. But we'll be part of the problem. But we have I mean, to. The tricky part about that, too, is the idea behind the tips is, you know, you're rewarding someone for good service. So, you know, a tip still is something that needs to be earned, where prices is not something that's earned. Hey, you know what? Like the example with the pizza. Hey, if you're paying $70 for the pizza and they get rid of the tips, they get rid of that model on it. They say, all right, see, so you're paying $90. Whether someone cussed at you, whether you got a pizza that was done wrong, you're now paying this. Versus the tip is like, hey, now you're incentivizing someone to do a good job or else they don't get paid. I, I And I agree with that's the intention behind tipping, but that's not that's not what's happening no, it's in a, our it's world today, right? I mean, uh, I do a lot of Grubhub. You know, my wife, she's had, uh, she had a, a knee replaced. She's, she's not cooking at night. I go home. I'm tired. If I don't want to cook, it's like, okay, let's call and get something in. And, you know, in comes the meal and it's, it's like they, it's, it, if I go pick it up, if I go to the restaurant, the food is better most mm-hmm. of the time. And I get what I, I get everything when they bring it to me, there's always something missing or something undercooked or overcooked, or it's like, it's been in that bag for like three days, you know, um, not all the time, but enough of the time that you're like, why am I giving you know, 20% on top of that, because it's supposed to be for good service. And I know the driver, that's not their problem necessarily, but you know, um, God, this whole thing is going the wrong way. So we have inflation. What do we do about it, Hunt? I mean, you know, how do we, how do we prepare ourselves? How do we prepare our businesses um, to, to handle that? And if inflation continues and gets in the double digits, is which is what I'm predicting, at least by probably mid year next year. I want to um, I want to add something from from a, a comment. Hans uh, Jorgensen said, if if you if your pay slash raise doesn't go up the same rate as the inflation, you're not getting a raise. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's, actually you're losing money. Yeah, that's a really good point. And and usually, and so. I want to talk about like I think the deeper reason of why we have the inflation here and a couple of points that I think of why we're seeing such a crazy one right now. But just like Han said, you know, I tell my clients every single year, if you don't raise your labor rate three percent, you're making relatively less money. Cause you have to it, it used to be a standard, right? Inflation hovered around two and a half, three, maybe a little bit above it. But hey, if you're at a hundred, you need to be at a hundred and three next year just to make relatively the same amount of money. Um, now that's out the window. Like, hey, if we're seeing what we're seeing now, you know, maybe it's if you're at 100, you got to be at 106, 108 just to make the same amount of money. Um, but I think that the thing that we're seeing right now is we have a really, really weird economy that's going on right now, right? There are so many yeah. indicators that say this is a terrible economy, but then it's also a great economy at the same time, right? Market is super high, real estate's super high, interest rates are really low, um, you know, a ton of new businesses opening up. You know, doing IPOs, there's a lot of people making a lot of money and people have a lot of money in their pocket, whether it's the government printing money, specific spending programs. 
you know, for the most part, there's obviously been people that have been negatively affected by this whole thing that's going on there, but there's a lot of people that have made out like bandits. Um, And then I think also what we're seeing here is in the past when prices went up, there was no other reason other than the prices were going up, right? But now we have one big excuse, which is COVID, which is also tied directly into supply chain. You know, one of the more famous ones that came out early in this is the lumber prices, right? Lumber prices went up 300, 350%. And they, you know, blamed it on tariffs at the border, supply chain issues, all kinds of stuff. But what they found out is that lumber, for how crazy the real estate market was, lumber, there was no price elasticity to that, right? You know, people were like, okay, it is what it is. I'm still buying it. And so that's, and yeah. And so that's one of the big things that we're seeing. You know, gas prices are going up. Hey, more or less, you're going to have to put in gas no matter if it's four bucks or two bucks a gallon, right? Cost of meat. Um, you know, what other things? You know, some of the other more discretionary things, I don't think we've seen gone up as much. But for the most part, if people are still buying it just as fast, then you have a lot of people in this market that are saying, well, hey, why don't we just raise our prices? It hasn't slowed down. And I think that that's circling back to what Kent was saying here of what we need to be looking at as a shop owner, right? How many people are sitting here watching this webinar right now thinking to myself, I have more work than I know what to do with, right? Most, I mean, how many most, shops? Do, yeah. Most of the shops that I'm working with are, I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody will have a down week or sure. down month, but most of the shops that I'm working with, they're booked out three weeks or more. And whether they raise their price or not, they're still going to be booked out three weeks. It, it, yeah. isn't, it doesn't change that for yeah. most of the shops. Yeah. And I think that that's something that people need to look at is obviously pricing is dictated by supply and demand, right? If you have a huge demand, you have a limited amount of supply. You know, I think that the biggest thing right now is people are like, I need another technician. You know, that's the reoccurring theme here. I have too much work. I don't have the capacity to fill it. I'm booked two, three weeks out. Well, if that's the case, yeah. if If you can't get a technician, which is kind of the case right now, it's very... I mean, I, I have some shops that they run an ad and they get a tech and then they're not happy with that guy. They run another ad, they get another tech, but I also have some shops that have been running ads for six months and they literally have had nobody that's qualified. And it's not like they're being overly picky. They just, you know, someone calls and it's like, okay, what experience have you had? Well, I worked on my car in my garage a couple of times, you know, yeah. I, and, 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 and so, you know, the number was 75,000 that there were 70, we, we had a lack of 75,000 techs or whatever, you know, the, um, we didn't have 75,000 we needed. We were bringing about 75,000 in a year, but most of those were not staying. Again, I think that has to do with um, two things. Number one, pay. We're not starting people out at a, a reasonable wage and, and we expect I mean, them to- even if you, if you just- in your area, just a, a good practice to do is just to Google what the minimum um, median, in, uh, excuse me, cost of living, excuse me, the median cost of living in your area, just to see if you're above or below that. If you're not on it or above, then the likelihood of you getting a good technician to work in your business is slim to none. So so we have this, we're not paying them enough, so they're not staying. And then we have another thing, and I, I don't think that there's a good training process in most shops. So the guy's coming in, he's being given things that are maybe over his head and then he's being held accountable for them when he hasn't really been trained properly to get to that point. And, you know, uh, when I started out years and years and years ago, 
when I first started out, I didn't even know what a oil cap was. And, you know, the first time I went to do an oil change, I, I, you know, my dad showed me, take the oil filter off, do this, do that. And I put the oil filter back on. And of course I covered the O-ring with oil because that's how you do it. And I tightened it exactly, you know, half a turn and, you know, all the stuff he told me. And then I opened the hood and I was like, okay, where do you put the oil? I, I didn't even know. And it took me two years to be what I would call um, a competent B-tech and probably four to five years to be an A-tech, all right? But we're hiring these people for, I just talked to a shop that they, they, they just hired a guy, um, like not even uh, an oil change guy or whatever, like 10 bucks an hour. And, and I'm like, go give that guy a raise right now. I mean, because... You, first of all, who are you going to get for 10 bucks an hour? What, you know, what's their capacity? And then who's going to stay for 10 bucks an hour? I mean, I can go to my, one of my sons, you know, um, uh, could go to McDonald's and get a job for 16 bucks an hour flipping burgers. I mean, a lot easier work too. Yeah. It's looking, it's looking a little, uh, tempting, not yeah. going to lie. Some days, not this one. He can't go to McDonald's. <laughs> I need him here, but, but that's the, I think that's one of the major issues with this this whole thing is we don't have the tax, and and so there is a, a demand, right? There, the supply is not there. You you want to talk about putting you know fuel on the fire? We had a big issue with attracting technicians before all this stuff happened. Yeah, and now that problem is ten times exacerbated because we now are not accommodating for the interest the or the increase on with the, with the inflation. I mean, what I would say is if you're a shop right now, you should raise your rates. You should raise it by that percentage of inflation and just move that straight over to increase your tech pay. Right. I mean, that. Yeah. I mean, don't take any profit. Just load it straight in because that their cost of living is going to go up. Yeah, I mean that's a big thing that we talk about, and I see Keith joined us here. But you know, a, yeah, a lot Keith. of the oh. a lot of the things is it goes back to this of raising prices. Is you know really when we sell stuff as a shop, we're selling two things: parts and labor, right? And so the beauty of parts is, as parts get more expensive, as long as you have the correct matrix, you're going to be selling it. Yeah, more. That, that's you, not the issue; it's the labor. It's the labor side of it because that's just pegged, right? And so if our labor costs stay the same, then our labor sales or our uh, street rate can stay the same. But the thing that we're ignoring here is we're selling labor and parts to make profit and to cover our overhead. If our entire overhead is increasing, not just Brandy our labor. Speakers working here. Okay, cool. Yeah, you're, you are. We can hear oh. you. <laughs> you're good. Um, you know, but if we need parts and labor, the gross profit on that to cover our overhead, we need everything to go up. And Kent, you made a really good point there. A lot of times people are so focused on attracting. Can you hear me housing. okay? Yep. Yeah, yeah, we can hear you, Keith. I don't think we, you can hear us. We can hear you. He can't hear us, though. Oh. This is fun. I, lo- I love technical difficulties. Um, <laughs> it's like my favorite thing in the world. It's like the opposite of the usual, hey, you're muted. It's, hey, you're unmuted. We can yeah. hear you. Um, now I lost my train of thought here. I know. No, what was I saying? So a lot of people are focused on, Hey, how do I find technicians? How do I attract new technicians to my business? But just like we mentioned before, you know, the good is correct. Yep. That may be the best way to go. (laughs) Go ahead. 
<clears throat> okay, cool. Um, you know, one of the things that everyone is looking for is they're trying to attract that new technician, but there is not a skilled, trained technician that's sitting there on this couch, right? There no one, none of these are unemployed. So you are trying to steal someone, whether directly, I've seen some pretty aggressive tactics, or indirectly steal this from another business. But a lot of times people ignore like what you're talking about, Kent, is, hey, if you're trying to steal from someone else's business, someone's probably trying to steal from your business, especially if you're a good shop. And so you need to make sure that you're taking care of your people, you know, not only, you know, giving them the right culture, but financially so that they say, hey, you know what? Cecil calls my guys up and tries to poach them. My guys are going to be like, no, we're good. We're happy here. But hey, if I'm trying to nickel and dime them, if I'm trying to be cheap, if I haven't got a raise in three years and I'm doing twice as much work, then I might actually entertain that call from Cecil and say, you know what? Maybe I will go over there. And, and, they, and the a thing shop is, owner, I'm looking the, for two technicians. You know, the thing is, man, they know that they're they're hot commodity. Oh yeah, because be every hear you. every shop needs a good tech, and if they're I'm a good tech, just like you were saying, man. Hey, I I really haven't been treated well in the past three years. Things are going up. My my cost of living's going up. I'm not getting taken care of. This other person here is willing to take care of me. It might be time to jump ship. Yeah, that's a really cool point because in the past, there's been a shortage for years, right? But I seem to think that it's now in this probably last, you know, this COVID era that we're going through, where I've seen a couple of technicians get shop owners in a really tough position because they know what position they have them in. And they know, hey, if I'm making 32 an hour flat rate, if I walk into Kent's office right now and say, hey, I need $40 an hour flat rate or I'm walking. Kent, you don't have a choice. It's, I'm probably I'm probably doing sixty. But we're seeing that. Shop. Yeah. We're seeing that now. You still hear me? Okay. We can yeah. hear you, Keith. We can hear you, Keith. I think you're lagging behind us like a minute or so. I don't know how your audio is coming in, but so so um, we can um, we have texts coming into shops today saying I want sixty bucks an hour, and ah. and by the way, they they know they're in demand. And and we have shops that are at a hundred and you know ten bucks an hour effectively, yeah. And there's there's no way they can pay those guys correctly, right? You no. just can't. And and so you know you you were talking about you know I have to make profit, and if my costs have gone up, then I have to make more profit to pay for that stuff. <clears throat> so I'm saying you know don't take a six dollar an in our labor rate increase. Take a ten and give part of that to your employees because their costs are going up and then keep part of it so you can pay your bills. And the other thing is we may be in a place where necessity demands some people to go, I need to go somewhere else because my cost of living, I can't, I can't provide for my family the way I need to provide for my family. And so I have to go look for another job yeah. somewhere else because my employer's not moving things up. You know, um, so we got a comment, Andrew Nutson, he said, that's what's happening with the dealerships right now. Big dealers are trying to cut costs and they think that, hey, let's take it from the mechanics. So dealer mechanics uh-huh. are trying to find new homes. So it might be a good opportunity for you to get those texts that you've been trying to get for a while. I know I have probably two or three that I know of off the top of my head of, of shop owner clients that were formerly dealer techs and formerly very well-paid dealer techs. And they always have the biggest target on their head because when, you know, three levels above them, management's looking down through it and they say, wait, why is Hunt making $143,000? We can't pay a technician that much. 
they don't know that, you know, he's flagging 80 hours a week on warranty work and just blowing stuff out of the park and making five times his pay in it. He just has a target on it and corporate says, you're done. Or, hey, we're going to reduce it and do something like that. Yeah. Keith, are you in real time now? Are you still I am in real us? time? I apologize. I can do a lot of things, but apparently read an email for the start time is not one of them. <laughs> oh, that's okay. We, we all, uh, we all get ourselves in trouble. <laughs> and I thought um, being about inflation and a tire guy, I was the natural for this. Then I figured out you weren't talking about tire inflation. So we're, we're good to go now. Tire inflation. <laughs> ah, 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 that's a dead the joke. music. Kent. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's a dad joke, you know, that's a, that's a dad that qualifies as a dad joke. So just yeah. so you know, um, so, uh, Keith, you got to lower your hand cause I don't know how to do it. Um, oh. but you don't, you don't have to, you can keep it up there if you want. He's just waving. It's, he's not raising. He's just just saying hi. Yeah. Lower hand. That should be that good. There you go. Wonderful. All we're right. all we're all back. God dang, on we're on the now. page. All right, well, now, put the so, hand up there so you can slap me for being late. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll I'll do that later. Um, okay. Off off air. Um, so we have this inflation. Let's let's talk a, a little bit about um, do you know do the indicators? I mean, we're being told that inflation is a good thing by some people, which I think. Holy crap. What's hey, man, it's an excuse for me to raise my prices and make a little more profit. Uh, I don't yeah. think I don't think we're making more profit. I think by the time we pay for <clears throat> gas in our trucks and everything else that's going up and that extra 20% that I seem to have to pay everybody that does anything for me anymore, um, there's no, there, I'm not making more profit, right? I think that there's an area that you could. I mean, right. like, let's, let's go back to, you know, let's go back to the... Uh, uh, wood industry, right? The cost of lumber. Do you really think that their costs went up 300% for them to justify a 300% oh, no, price increase? No way. Like there's a couple of levels to but, that, right? You know, yeah. but there is some, there's some truth to be told on, <laughs> Hey, you know what? Inflation is the hottest topic right now, right? Everyone knows inflation is going up, but a lot of people, it's an abstract thing. And so well, they're taking you advantage go, of that, that, uh, naivety, yeah. Or blaming and, uh, Trump or blaming Biden. Hey, you know what? I had to, you know, I'm just covering my cost. They don't, they're not looking at your bottom line profit. Yeah. But so much of it. this is mandated as, and then you, I mean, you've got several different types of, of inflation. You've got supply and demand right now. Supply is, demand is up and supply is short. So that's going to drive prices up. Uh, transportation costs, a container of tires cost me almost $5,000 more now just to get it from port to my shop. And then you have the mandated uh, inflation. That is, uh, the government says, okay, they're going to tax corporations. Well, corporations just pass that on to the end user. I mean, we're a conduit in, in business. They, we are a conduit. Well, the thing is, and the thing is, we're the ones who think that that's where the responsibility lies. It's not. We need to. Uh, we're businesses. Who pays yeah. for our business? Our customers. If our costs go up, who has to pay for that? Right. Our customers. Why would you penalize yourself? That's right. And. You, it's, because it, if you're not profitable to a certain degree, then your business is not safe. And if you're not safe, anything can happen and it can take you out of the water. Yeah. So, so you, you have a responsibility, not just to yourself, but to your employees and your customers to, to, to be where you need to be. Um, we got a, I, absolutely. We got another comment. John Kephart said, uh, plan on paying well, and there isn't much room for mediocre performers. Give them everything they need to make it work. 
and get out of their way. At that point, if their quantity, quality, and attitude align with the business, cool. If not, make a plan. No easy answers these days, it seems. Uh, thank you for the question. By the way, if anybody else is out there watching and want to ask the panel some questions, we'd love to have them. Just post them in the chat. So so we uh, we were at Apex recently last week, and, and I was on a panel or in a podcast, and they said, well, how much should our labor rates be? And I was like, $238 an hour. The, if we went industry, up from inflation from 1980. Yeah. I, I, I took a shop in 1980 that I had and I ran and, and I, I raised, I increased the price by 3% every year to 2001 and it, it was $238. I mean, it, it it's not that difficult. And one of the problems we've had as an industry is undercharging. Um, I think that that is is at least in part a problem with our technician shortage and 100%. and a lot of other Absolutely. things in well, our one, in our business. One of the one of the things that I've noticed that is predominant in, the, in this industry is that when we're when we're looking to base our value, we're basing it off of everyone around us. Now that's not a un, an unknown thing. Everybody knows that, but what I don't think they know is the alternative, which is we need to be basing our value off of what it costs us to do business. And so that's probably the first metric you should look at is what does it cost me as a, as a business owner to provide the service I want to provide? And then from there, you either go up or down on your market. The first metric you should look at is what does it cost? And you build up from there. And when you look at your costs, one of the things you want to look at is you know, your employees, your compensation package, because if you cannot provide benefits, retirement, things like that for your, your technicians and still put money to the bottom line, then you definitely need to raise your prices to because we're you know there's a shortage there's a shortage of technicians but the draw has been for years that they come to us but they couldn't make any money now we're saying we need to make money we need to provide a decent livelihood for them for them and their families and if you're not providing uh, insurance health insurance uh, retirement 401k match things like that then you definitely need to look into that to raise your prices to an appropriate level that we can pay people that hundred something thousand dollars a year. Because if you look at the guy that comes and fixes your appliance, and I know Cecil's used this uh, example before the guy fixing his dryer <laughs> shows up and he has a toolbox that he can carry in one hand, or it's a five gallon bucket with a bunch of stuff in it. He tears it apart and says it's 500 bucks or 400 bucks and you fix it. We, you look at technicians now, they're electricians, they're electronics guys, they're computer guys, they're plumbers, they're engineers doing all this stuff. And if we took all of them and we loaded that in, what would they be worth per hour? And we have, as an industry, have historically not compensated as we should. I think there's back, you know, if you go back, say, 30 years ago, um, an employee came in to be a technician and there was a different expectation. You know, the expectation was if I work hard, I get two weeks off and you're going to pay me something. And, uh, and, and there wasn't medical, wasn't a part of the package. Uh, a 401k a retirement plan wasn't part of the package, but today the expectation is different. I mean, the, the expectation is they're going to get those benefits that they frankly feel they deserve. And therefore they do those damn and, millennials and in our, well, I'm not even <laughs> sure that's it. I mean, don't get me wrong. When I started out, it would have been great if I'd had medical and it would have been fantastic if I had had a retirement plan, I'd be a much probably wealthier person than I am today, maybe even healthier, but see, so you and I are close in age. Yeah. And when we started out, the promise was 
I mean, you could go to the doctor and it didn't cost you thousands of dollars. And you and your retirement was, hey, you have you have social security back in the 70s when I got in this business. There was no 401k. There was nothing like that. Yeah. 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 And and so the expectations change. And if the expectation has changed and it's it's a reality now, because I think it's a reality, um, then we as employers have to provide those things for employees. If we don't provide those things, then we're not going to either get good people or keep good people in our in our businesses. And frankly, our businesses aren't necessarily about us or they shouldn't be. They should be about what our employees can do for our customers and take care of our, our, our customers. And, and, and the stress of not being able to afford those things after we've, I mean, if you look at colleges right now, the dropout rate is, I mean, colleges are struggling because people aren't going to college. The idea originally was that you go to college because it was a good return on your investment. You spent four years, you spent a couple thousand dollars and you could get a job that would pay off that investment relatively soon. Well, you got people who are in 20, 30 years worth of debt from going to college and they're going, that's a really shitty path. I don't want to do that because that's not going to be fun for me. And even now with COVID and, and the inflation pressure, it's like, all right, well, I need to do something to take care of myself, right? If I go to a business who can't provide even the basic needs for me, then that's not an, that's not an avenue I want to go down. And I don't, I don't think as an industry, we are um, providing those things and, and, and being able to be competitive against a, a, a Google or a, 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 you know, a Facebook. I mean, think, think, think about Amazon. this. Okay. If I'm somebody who's looking at this and go, I, I don't want to go to college because there's nothing really there for me. And I I'm good with my hands and I'm thinking about prospective, you know, careers that I could have. I could be a, I could be a plumber. I could be uh, um, an electrician. I could be a contract. I could do that. And I could get an apprenticeship. And what is my return on investment, depending on which way I go? If I'm an electrician, I'm going to make $80,000 as soon as I get my certifications. In fact, maybe even $100,000 or more. Welding, $100,000, $120,000. And it's less less work. It, I can get to it quicker, right? And then, oh, maybe I could work on cars. Right now, yeah. what's the... Can't stop talking and, and talking technicians out of being technicians. Sorry. I'm just trying to put the pressure on the shops because it's your responsibility to provide that good path, right? If I can but, go to a shop can. and work and make a hundred twenty thousand, there's a guy down the street that's 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 twenty five dollars cheaper than we are now. We're already the highest guy in town, and and we can't raise our rates because our customers will leave us and they won't love us anymore. But don't um, you think that this is like this all goes hand in hand? I mean, you know, I think that if we need to look at who's in charge of this pricing. Everyone needs to take a look in the mirror because there's people always trying to undercut each other, right? They think, well, hey, how do I get ahead of my competition? Why beat them up on prices? I do these discounts and stuff like that. Versus in a very extreme example, if you position yourself as a shop and you know the upper echelon shop say, hey, you know what? We are going to pay our guys better than anyone else does. And you know what? We're going to turn around and we're going to charge our customers more than anyone else does. You're now creating an environment. And then over the long run, if other shops start joining in on that, all of the high-level talent is going to start going to these better shops. The ones that are too cheap, they're going to be left in the dust. But it takes some time. It takes commitment. What's going to happen is you're going to have all these shops that that are doing it right and taking, taking the right changes and the right steps. They'll be around. The shops that aren't will be gone. But the hole that will be left is the lack of viable technicians. And even those shops that are doing well are going to struggle because 
there's a huge vacuum that's been created at that point. But one of the things you look at too is it's they say, you know, people don't quit jobs, they quit bosses. If we are providing a, a, a good work environment, a good culture for them, providing them a good income, and then on top of that, um, giving them usable hours. I mean, I worked for a company before I came here at Tire World, and we were open. They were going to seven days a week. Now, if I'm a highly trained technician, why would I do that? The most crucial interaction our customer has with us is with our service advisors. So why not have it be with someone who's confident and capable? We train hundreds of top performing advisors, utilizing the latest technology, tactics, resources, and training methods. Placing them in a group of their peers, our training keeps them accountable, engaged, and dynamic at the counter. We believe in developing career-oriented advisors so that they have a place they can call home and you don't have to stress anymore about turnover. If you're looking for the next sales training opportunity to provide your advisor with the best possible outcome, experience what it's like to have an institute-trained advisor. Book a discovery call today at weartheinstitute.com. There's a lot of sales training programs out there, so why not choose the right one? I think we've, we've, we've brought a lot of techs in from the dealership industry because at the dealership, they wanted you to work. Uh, you know, when I ran a dealership here, uh, they only wanted you to work half day Saturday, which meant that you were open till two and then you were there till seven. Because, <laughs> yeah. And that was the half day. And, yeah. and I think we've drafted a lot of technicians out of the dealership into the independent side. But as an as a as a business as an industry we have to do better and and i'm i'm pushing for you know a 10% labor rate increase right now and it ought to be higher frankly and and if you're not yeah 10% it right, is just to cover the damage that's being done right now if you're not doing it right now when are you ever going to have a better opportunity and you know what we we don't know how long this is going to last we we're in unprecedented well, waters. So 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 Keith, you and I we, we go back a lot a lot lo- a lot longer than these young guys. Yeah, um, right. When I was when I was a kid, and I mean a kid, 16, 17, 15, whatever, I would take a quarter down to the local gas station, fill up a gallon of gas, and get a candy bar, um, and go home and mow the lawn. And, and and so you know the prices have increased on a lot of things. When when have we seen prices come down? Okay. They don't. You know, well, housing, you know, we saw that dip in, in 2008, 2009, 2010, but now it came back, uh, you know, 10 times stronger. Um, you know, my house is worth double what it was worth in 2007 today. And, and to me, that's kind of insanity, right? So prices aren't coming down. This is not, this is not going away. At the very least, we probably have another two or three years of inflation. And and it has to do literally with who we have in charge of our of our government and the policies and things that happen there. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but one of the problems with the supply chain is in California they passed some new laws for truckers that you couldn't be an independent; you had to be a part of a union and and have a certain kind of insurance through the union in order to pull um, things up, you know off the docks. And so since something, the number I heard was like 70% of the truckers are independents, we lost 70% of the truckers that could go to the dock and, and, and move that stuff in, 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 boom. And nobody thought of that. This idea that we're going to tax corporations because the corporations are the big evil guys, 
who doesn't understand that most small businesses are corporations? You know, they're okay. Let's just tax C corporations. Or, or when we talk about corporations, you know, we're talking about you and me and and most automotive shops because we're either an LLC or a or or an S corp in most cases. I'm not a big evil guy. I'm a guy, you know, just trying to make a living and trying to change the world. Um, <laughs> it's it, it's the people in charge. They don't fully understand the economy of it all. They just they can't. There's well, no they way don't, that they can. And I don't care who's in charge. They're, it, yeah. It's been screwed up for a long time, and it continues to be screwed up. The end consumer pays for everything. They're going to tax workers. I don't know of any corporations that have gone bankrupt because they raised their tax level. It becomes a cost of sales. They add it in. And so as a consumer, we end up paying that. The smart um, guys add it in. Yeah. I mean, no, and, and you know, it's 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 crazy how they think we can tax these guys. We end up paying for it. They're still going to make their money. They're still going to grow their business. They're going to do those things. You know, the cost of fuel goes up. The cost of groceries goes up. I mean, we've had three major price increases on tires this year, plus the shortages. Yeah. And I've had two uh, labor increases that I've done just to be able to create a compensation program to try and lure other people to come work for me. It hasn't worked yet. Maybe I got to go higher. But these are all the things you have to understand. The end consumer pays for everything. It doesn't matter if it's a tax, it's a fee, it's an anything. I mean, in the new infrastructure bill, they have now that the car manufacturers have to create uh, something in the car to to stop drunk driving and to make it where parents don't forget about their children in the backseat on hot summer days. Okay, who's going to pay for that? Manufacturers will find a way to do it technologically, and it'll go into the cost of everything. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, just think about, like, look at, if you want to use cars as an example, I mean, look at the truck sector, right? Used to be able to get a decent, you know, half-ton truck and $30,000, $40,000. You can't even, like, sniff it for that much now. But as they're raising these prices, what are they doing? People are still buying it. And then there was a little bit of pushback, or these are getting too expensive. So now, you know what they did? They said, well, you know what? Why don't we push this financing out? We'll do 94-month financing. You know, some yeah, just yeah, crazy yeah. So unbelievable, So it'll be man. cheap, right? You're only yeah, paying- because people just care about- what, what, 800 bucks a month for the Yeah, what do you want your, your payment to be? What do you want right. your payment to be, Cecil? And so that's the thing on here. Just like you said, these prices aren't going down until people stop buying it. And we're in such a consumer, you know, uh, economy market. right now yeah. is that- People are going to keep on buying it and keep on buying it. You know, like the thing with lumber, like we saw the massive spike in lumber, you know, it's up 300%. It came back down, but they're never going to go back down to what their prices were before. No, no, no. It, it only no. came People down. People keep on buying it. It went up 300% and it came down 100%. It, exactly. They're like, oh, we lowered our prices. The, yeah. the, the two by fours I used to pay $2, $2.84 are, are, are now seven, mm-hmm. right? But, yeah. but, oh, they're not 11. So exactly, that's okay, right? <laughs> and we'll see. And we'll see the same thing because some of this stuff is. I, I think meat costs have went up eighty percent, right? And so, will oh. we see it stay at eighty percent? No, maybe it'll stay at forty percent or sixty percent increase. But it's never going to go back the same way. And if we're looking at a shop, the same exact thing. Hey, that water pump that was a hundred that is now two hundred, it might not even ever go down below two hundred because a lot of this stuff is. I have it. You need it. So this is what it costs now. Is it like jewelry sales where they say it's a thousand dollar ring? We're marking it fifty percent off. The cost was the same. 
They just got everybody, oh, we're going to save so much money. And they're doing that to us. They mark the prices up. We squeal. We adjust our incomes, our labor rates and everything else. And then everybody goes, okay, now we can afford to pay more. And so it just, it mitigates itself through the process. you're You're not earning more because your money buys less than it bought. Even though you have more money, it buys less than it bought yesterday. Uh, I have to interrupt. Um, If you guys are looking to raise your rates and are curious of how to run a better business and actually provide the value that people will pay for so that you can hire the best techs, why not check out some of the classes and workshops that we have listed on our website, weartheinstitute.com. We're partnering with a uh, the Napa BDG right now. So we actually have some courses on there that we're doing in tandem with them. And by the way, it's open to everybody. So you don't have to be uh, part of the Napa BDG to join those classes. You can check them out at weartheinstitute.com forward slash events. We've got them listed there. Um, and hey, if you want to have a chat with us about other our other services, I know that our group program actually gets free seats in all of our workshops that we do throughout the year. So maybe come and talk to us about that program. Uh, but let's get back to it. So what should what should we be focused on, guys, as an industry? What's what's the deal? What do we do? How do we how do we, we manage we, this? We have to get rid of some of our phobias, um, I think, uh, as an industry. And and it's not everybody, not every shop owner feels this way, but there are enough shop owners that feel like making a profit is a bad thing. That has to go away. I mean, business is about profit. And I'm not Gordon Gecko up here saying, you know, go rape everybody that you can rape and get as much money as you can. Why did I'm you use saying, that? Why did you use that saying? I'm there's I'm a variety saying, of sayings you yeah, could have yeah, yeah, used. You could have okay, gone a lot of different so, ways. That's good. <laughs> but he said it, what he said, Kent. I, I I'm saying that you determine what your what your profit should be, what you feel is fair, and then that's what you go earn and you price yourself accordingly. People expect you to make a profit, right? And profit is your income. That's what you take home. Well, I think the thing that people forget too is that if they really sat down, you know, most you got to be at a certain level shop to do this exercise. But if you sit down with your customers and you say, hey, what is the reason you come to my shop versus the multitude of other shops that we have in the area? Very few of them, if any, are going to say price. If they do, then that's a red flag and you need to raise your prices. But you're already not the cheapest guy in town. You're already, if you're listening to this, you're probably already one of the most expensive guys in town. But people are coming there for value, right? People are coming there because they've never been called and said, hey, come pick up your car. We can't figure this out. They've never been stranded because you're doing shoddy work or putting on subpar, you know, pieces of parts on the vehicle, you know? And so be proud of that, right? You're delivering a great value, delivering a great service. Now let's get paid for it. The other, the other thing that has to go away that's uh, that's uh, industry-wide, and it, again, it's not every shop, but it's enough, is that we have real value. So if I did charge you know, $250 an hour, that's kind of where we ought to be, even though we're not. And, and just because I didn't go get a four-year degree or a, you know, uh, an internship and uh, you know, two more years of college or whatever... I still have value because what I needed to, to learn and what I need to do, not everyone can do. And it's only going to get I wanna, worse. I want to interject here because if that is an issue and you go, well, I don't know that it's worth the value of it, raising your prices and having that resource increase, you can use that resource 
to provide more value for your customers, things like loaner vehicles, things like, you know, you can, you can use that to stimulate your value so that you can justify the price you're trying to charge. You're sometimes oh, saying, thing- hey, you're putting a cart before the horse. Like, hey, sometimes you might not be driving the value because you can't afford it. Well, you're never going to be able to do you it. Can't you can't afford it if you, if, you, if you don't charge for it. Yeah. Well, the other thing that we have is for the longest time, and I know Cecil, when we were coming up, the guy down the street was your competition, and we're not each other's competition. We're all in the same industry. You don't see, go to the hospital or thing and find doctors undercutting each other. You don't see dentists doing it. But yeah. yet, as an industry, we have those people that go out there and says, well, I can do this for X amount of dollars and do it for less, but they're not providing the value, the value proposition that we should to our con- consumers as professionals. If we're going to be in the business, be the professional that you want to be. And, and create that that value and, and charge accordingly. Because if somebody says, oh, so-and-so does it cheaper, that's okay. Maybe they don't have, pay their guys the same rate. Maybe they don't spend the same on training or certifications or whatever. Maybe they don't use the same quality parts. But this is our price and this is where we need to be. And if there, that line. If there's anybody out there telling you that you need to be focused on price or price-focused with your customers, don't work with that person. Absolutely. Don't there, do it. there, there are some, you know, there's there's some her- inherent um, thought process issues that we have uh, in our industry, and 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 one of the biggest issues I think is that we're not, a, 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 we're a fragmented industry. Um, we, you know, why why do doctors not undercut each other? Well, they have the AMA. They're a part of that. They. They support it. They have to. They can't even get a license to practice medicine if they're not a part of that. Lawyers, they have the the bar. They have to pass the bar exam. They have to get X amount of training every year. They have to do those things. And 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 so a lawyer, you know, comes out and says, I'm charging 400 bucks an hour. And if he's a good lawyer, you're like, okay, great. Here, here you go. Whatever it takes. Um, we in our industry, the the largest associations we have have maybe 3,000, 3,500 members, and we have over 200,000 shops. We, we need, frankly, there are some bad things that, that could come with an association. Oh, uh, you want to control me? You want to control my business? No, we don't. We want to get together and, and say to ourselves, what does professional look like in our industry, and how do we quantify that and qualify that for the consumer out there so that we can be professionals, charge like professionals, and act like professionals as an industry. Don't you think we'll see some of that with just attrition, though? I mean, the way that this industry is going and the kind of cost it takes to operate a business, don't you think that at some point, some of these lower level, you know, trying to undercut everyone, aren't they going to put themselves out of business at some point? Because it's like, hey, if you're not making a profit, you don't know how to do this stuff. You're not going to the training. You can't afford to buy this new equipment. So, you know, I I started 40 years ago. 41 in this industry. And, and 41 years ago, I thought to myself, some of these guys are going to be out of business. And (laughs) and hopefully, you know, I thought, oh, in 10 years, you know, by, by, you know, by 2008, by, by 1985, we're gonna get rid of some of these guys by, by, you know, 1990, by 1995, by 2000, they're still, oh God, by (laughs) two, well, they're not, but they got replaced with some of the same guys, Mm -hmm. you know, the, so uh, this, I don't, how do I put it without sounding racist? Because I'm not racist, but there are. <laughs> there are this going? Where is this um, going? There are people that come into our industry and they they work with no license, no workers comp, no anything, and and they're there, and you see them in your community, 
and they, they have cars in their shops, right? Because they're 60 bucks an hour and they work hard and they make, they work hard. They're hardworking people. And I don't want to take that away at all, but they only make enough to survive, right? They're not making a profit. They're surviving because they're working 80 hours a week. I mean, hell, my dad did that for most of his career. You know, might be some people listening. Survive. Thank you. That's them. Or they operate out of their home garage or storage facilities. That seems to be a popular place of of putting a garage up. And hell, hell, if you're a technician who thinks, oh, I could do this cheaper, and you're going to go start your own business and do it cheaper, you're not going to have a business. It's going to be you. You're going to do all the work. You're going to work really hard. You're not going to make any money. But it, it goes. It, it even goes kind of uh, even forward from there because you know uh, here we are. We we have the coalition of automotive management professionals, a bunch of coaches and consultants sitting around in a room at Apex talking about the industry, and and our biggest concern, frankly, is that there's about seventy to eighty percent of the industry that don't participate in education, training, etc. I mean they they get they're not by in the conversation. They get by because they get by, and and they're the ones, frankly that are holding the industry back instead of driving the industry forward. And so well, we, we stress so much people? to our technicians. I'm sorry. We stress so much to the technicians to get trained. And yet we ourselves as owners and managers haven't done it. I mean, one of the best things that's happened to my business and to myself is, is becoming associated with you, Cecil, and the Institute. And, you know, and, uh, and Kent talks about the, we are the Institute, but they also have the gear for shops and there's training, stuff like that. And, you know, they say, oh, I don't have time. You know, most of your classes are an hour or two, and the information I get is invaluable and worth every minute that I spend. And if more people would do that and join BDGs and join these um, business groups and learn from others how they're doing it, going to Apex or SEMA, eh, SEMA somewhat, but you know, going to these different conventions and, and planning that into your expenses so your technicians can go and you can go, they would learn to grow their business and the value that they have. I, I mean, so, so you can you can reach out to us, and I know we're a little biased because th- that's the business we're in. But we really came from this to help the industry and help guys like my grandfather who worked himself till he died. And if you want to come and, and just reach out to us and have a discovery session with us, we'll do that no cost because we really want to get you focused in the right area. Because if we can help you run a better business, then the more businesses that are run better, the industry will benefit from that as a whole. So we, we have vision coming up in Kansas in January, into February, yeah. early, early March. Um, and I guarantee you that if you go into the technical classes and you said, how many of you here are shop owners? Half the guys in the class would raise their hand and they're in a technical class instead of in a management class, Be- how to run my business correctly, how to price myself, you know, how to, how to do marketing to attract the good customers, blah, blah, blah. And, if if we don't educate ourselves properly for the roles that we need to play, you're you're right, Hunt. They'll be gone. And there is, I think, yeah. now is a very it's a it's a we're te- the industry's teetering. It's it's a spot I've never seen us in, and I think we're going to lose shop owners. But in the past forty years, when we lost somebody, somebody you know brought their toolbox and opened the door, and and started a new business to replace the one that dropped out. Um, Depending We're on not seeing talking. that anymore. Well, businesses are just going away. 
Well, the there's thing is, it's hard. I mean, there's there's a lot of aspects of that. I mean, if you look at just from a strictly a zoning standpoint, I mean, how many people do you talk to that are like, I have to buy an existing shop because once this shop is gone, this municipality is never going to let me build another one. Oh, yeah. We, we've we've noticed it a lot in just our town, but that's, that's think about, all over. Or think about how many people we have. Like, I have a lot of clients that are retiring and they get a little bit for their shop, but someone comes in, they're like, hey, you know, when you built that shop back here in 1963, no one would come to this side of town. And now if you look at it, it's like, how the heck did anyone ever get a shop here? You know, and they go, I'll buy your shop for $3 million. You can take whatever you want out of it because I'm bulldozing it. Like, I just yeah, want yeah, you I just dirt. want the property. I mean, yeah. Yeah. there's a there's a guy I know that has like a, an acre in downtown Denver. And there's a three-bay automotive shop on it that used to be a gas station. And that's it. And I've talked to him multiple times. Shop owner, he may be watching, maybe not. And I'm like, he's had people come and offer him you know, five million, seven million, just for the property. If you're listening to this, take it. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 run, Dandy, run. At this point, he hasn't sold it. I mean, that, the truth is, when you when you buy your shop, you know, twenty years later, thirty years later, it might be worth more as property than it is as a shop. Oh, we see right? that a ton. Yeah, we but, see that all over. But we have a lot yeah. of guys that are selling their shops for nickels on the dollar because it isn't worth what it ought to be worth because they never learned how to run the business in a financially profitable and set it up for success. Yeah. And yeah. It, to me, that's a, that's criminal. My, my father, when he, yeah, at 71, he had a stroke. Um, he sold his business, but what he really did was sell the property. The guy didn't want the business. He sold the yeah. property yeah. and, and the business had no, after 41 years of working in that business and, and everything, the business itself had zero value it was only the property that had some value um to me that's that's criminal but in create to create that value you have to have processes you have to have procedures so there's continuity and consistency and that's what these people have to learn that are running these shops because if it's to have value somebody has to see that there is a plan it's like i talked to my grandson recently i said what's the difference between a goal and, and, a, and a dream and it says a dream is a goal without a plan yeah. You have to have a plan. And, and, you know, I've learned so much rather than reinventing the wheel, learn from others in the industry, such as yourself, Cecil, and, and, and some of the others learn from them because they've gotten all the input. They've put all that information together. And they said, these are the best practices and this will help make you successful because it works. Yeah. We're, we're at this point guys where we're we got to wrap it up. Um, so I want to do some uh, quick final thoughts with everybody. Uh, Dad, let's start with you. I'd like to ask a question. Do we think inflation is a transitory thing and it's going to go away? Uh, um, yes or no? Um, no. Uh, Hunt, no. no. I, I don't think so. I so, like I said, we could be like this, but you know, yeah. all the stuff that's got done. We've we've said this long ago. Even we're in on other ones. Hey, all the stuff that we're doing, all the stuff that we're spending. There's no free lunch. And yeah. now people are starting to realize what that means with tax rates, inflation. And I think there's during, only one way to pay for it. Even during yeah. uh, Obama and during Trump, inflation was kept down artificially by the Fed because they kept interest rates down, et cetera. And, and so we, we ha at some point, the piper has to be paid and we're yep. there. And I think we're well, there. Again. And we, we, so now is a time, and it's probably the best time that, that's ever been not only to raise your rate, but raise your rate. And, and since we are undervalued as a, as an industry and we undervalue ourselves, 
raising our rates out there right now when it's ideally the best time makes amazing sense. And if you, I'll, I'll say one more thing and then I'm done. Um, if you're going to go up $6 an hour because you're at a hundred and you say, okay, I'm going to go up 6%, go to 110 because nobody will know the difference. And, yep. and, and if you're going to go up 10 bucks, go to 112 or, you know, go up $12 because nobody will know the difference except for you. Um, all right. And that's, I'll leave my part at that. Well, I, th I think inflation is always going to be here because of the fact a lot of it's mandated through government programs. You know, when they're talking about sending another stimulus checkout, it's our money. We're going to have to repay it. So we might as well just don't give it to me. Do something else. You know, the infrastructure bill is coming out. That's going to be more money that we have to pay. As shop owners, we need to look at our costs, make sure that our pricing matrix is set up so that we maintain our margins. We're going to collect more dollars because if it costs 50 bucks and you, and you sell it for 100, now it costs you 75 bucks, you sell it for 150. You got 25 more dollars, but your expenses have gone up. You need to maintain those. And where we fall into the trap is not working on our business, but working in our business and then not looking at our pricing matrix and our um, ability, to, our packages. Because your cost has gone up, but if you haven't raised your, your package prices, on certain things, you're you're losing money. You're going backwards. And there may be some percentage of your clients that aren't willing or will not pay that money, but you don't want those because if they again, if you can't make a profit, you, you shouldn't be doing business with those people. So, all right. uh, so I think that the biggest thing is is timing on all this, right? We talk about this is what you need to do, and I know a lot of people are sitting here probably thinking, all right, you know, January first, I'm going to roll this out. But use Cecil's example. All right, if you want to go up six, go up $10. If you're a pretty small shop and you're cranking out, what, 100 hours of labor in a week, that $10 increase, if you don't do it next week, just costs you $1,000. That's massive. You know, and the same flip side on that is this is, you know, kind of the kick in the butt to do this now, which I have a, a talk sometimes with my clients on it. But this is also a reason why this shouldn't be an annual look at. If you raise it $10 now at the end of the year, I'm now going to make $10 an hour more from here going forward. Versus if I raise it $2.50 every three months for the last 12 months preceding this, I'm making more money for all of those 12 months going forward. So instead of having that shock, why don't we just consistently do this? The good shops out there are raising their prices on a monthly or quarterly basis. What, is, what, is your, what does your internet company do? What does Netflix do? What it like... Come on, people. Do you, know, do you know how many different messages I've received in the last month? We're raising our prices. Companies <laughs> that basically say your workers' comp's going up, your 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 internet's going up, your this is going up. And and sorry, you got no choice. Either you say no and you sign out and you don't yeah. do any of that stuff, or you pay the new rate. That's how do they works. negotiate with you, Cecil? Oh right? man. Yeah, I called <laughs> no. it and uh after arguing for like Three seconds, they said tough shit if you don't like it. And that, go, and, and that oh, goes no. back, to, and that goes back to this industry of like, why do we think? Well, hey, you know what? I guess that's true. If I do raise it and someone yells, you know, I can discount it because Cecil. Why? If you why? go to the grocery, if you go to the grocery store, hey, you know what? I just went out and bought a brisket. It's one hundred and sixty dollars. If I go back and I say, hey, you know what? I bought this in the springtime for eighty dollars. What can you do? They're going to say, I guess I could take it back to the case for you if you don't yeah. want it. But you know, it is what it is. Price is the price. I, I, I dare everyone, and, and I teach this in class, literally go to your grocery store with a gallon of milk and go to the checkout counter and go, hey, I've been shopping here for like 30 years, and I probably spent over 100 grand. And, <laughs> and I know this milk is for 450 today, but 
you know, I really only want to pay $2 because I'm such a great loyal customer. And, and I guarantee you that the manager will come up, grab the milk from you and go, the milk is four fifty. If you'd like to buy it, yeah. here you go. If not, he'll take it back to the milk bin and somebody else will buy it. That's how it works. <laughs> and, and, and if you're selling your labor rate, then you're selling it wrong. You should be selling the value of the job and what you're including in it and giving a total price. You know, they say, well, how much is that an hour? Does it matter? This is Neither what the job costs to do yeah. is sell the job. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and then sell the value of what you're well, going to buy. As, an indus- as an industry, that's where we need to be. We need to be, it's an $800 job. And when the guy says, how much labor is that? And you say, it's, it's $800 worth. Neither here nor there. The job. Unfortunately, unfortunately we, we are at time. We're actually past it, gentlemen. Hi, uh, this was a wonderful conversation. Those of you out there, if you liked and enjoyed the content that we were discussing, please share it out so that that other 80% who's not involved in the conversation can get involved in the conversation. Keith is one of our moderators on the Gearheads Network. If you want to ask him some questions, he's he's a, a pretty swell guy. He'll he'll get you the resources you need. Hunt is a phenomenal CPA. His company's great. Hunt, where can they find you? Uh, Parmelis.com. There you go. And uh, if any of you want to talk to myself or my dad in the Institute about improving your business and actually making a business that creates the life that you want to live, and uh, deal with all this inflation stuff, then you can reach us at weartheinstitute.com. Thank you very much. I want to just say real quick that if you tune in on November 24th, we're going to be covering an episode on creating culture of gratitude that extends kind of past through the holidays and brings in this conversation of inflation, of treating our employees the way they need to be treated so that we can attract good technicians. So tune in on November 24th, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you, guys. Thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate you. Apologize for being late. No worries. (laughs) I'll talk for another 15 minutes just so I make up my time, okay? (laughs) Keep talking. That's it for this one. This episode was brought to you by GearForShops.com, the Gearheads Network, and the Institute. For a better business, a better life, and a better industry, visit WeAreTheInstitute.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one.